Hello, I'm M3, and this is my opinion for Wednesday, September 5th, 2018. Here today to recap SmackDown Live from last night, which, looking at it on the surface, it centered a lot around the rivalry between Daniel Bryan and his wife, Brie Bella, against the It Couple, Miz and Maurice, as well as building up most of the other rivalries leading into Hell in a Cell. See, I mentioned this yesterday on the Raw Recap podcast that SmackDown has done a better job recently of not having, you know, just time-killing crap. You, you have your bad segments, you have your bad matches, but for the most part, everything makes sense. Everything fills a purpose, and we saw that again last night. Now, earlier in the day, Miz and Maurice had called out uh, Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella to a confrontation prior to their match at Hell in the Cell. But they did it early in the day when the arena was completely empty. Later on in the, in the night to s- s- open the show... Uh, Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella came to the ring to address uh, the attack from last week as well as answer uh, their challenge. And they were nowhere to be found. They uh, weren't in the building. And instead, Bryan and Brie Bella were interrupted by Andrade Cian Almas and Zelina Vega. Uh, Two uh, of them talked some trash about Daniel Bryan leading to a match getting set up between Brian and Almas. And my problem with this segment is you like the fact that Daniel comes out calling out uh, Miz, Bray calling out Maurice, and the fact that it intensifies or continues to solidify the fact that um, Maurice and Miz are... uh, very much cowardice in their ways and pick their spots. The fact that they'll call someone out earlier in the day, but then when the response is there, they're nowhere to be found. But this segment essentially was done last week on SmackDown. When Daniel and Bree came out and addressed their match at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, only to be interrupted by Andrade Cien Almas and Selena Vega, uh, now to start the show this week and was what's become typical of the writing staff, especially on the Raw side of things, have a promo to start the show that leads to a match that wasn't scheduled for later on. Difference is this match happened right away at the start of the show and you know it's kind of a tired gimmick. It's kind of kind of something that they need to start doing away with each and every single week. Uh, the one thing, as I said, you like that they did the match right then and there and uh, didn't just save it for later on. But problem is the match wasn't as good as the match that they had last week. It, it especially did not have the length to it, didn't have as um, much quality uh, to it. Almost did have a, a good amount of control through uh, uh, the um, matchup, ex- especially after uh, 
uh, the uh, suicide dive uh, that Daniel Bryan had when the, when they had came back from commercial break, almost had already re- uh, gained control of the match. But that was all done in order of a way to have Daniel Bryan continue his underdog ways of battling back uh, when knocked down, when faced with some adversity and was able to eventually get the victory by delivering the running knee to uh, win this week and have a decisive decision. Breed did the same to uh, Zelina Vega after the match. And following that, you saw Miz and Maurice on the video screen once again uh, taunt Daniel and Bray uh, from the backstage area without uh, coming out to address them. Furthering my point of now that they'll talk big when uh, they're far away from Daniel and Bray and take cheap shots when necessary, but want nothing to do with them when the sides are even or when it's not on their terms. So it was kind of a, a chaotic start to a SmackDown with uh, the call-out and the match there. But as I said, it felt like just a repeat of last week, which is kind of shocking and Disappointing when you consider everyone involved here. The the top rivalry currently on SmackDown. And then you also throw in Cien, Almas, and Vega into the mix who have quickly established themselves as rising stars on SmackDown. You just wish that this whole thing had been put together a little more proper and not felt like a repeat of last week. Now, for weeks, uh, Naomi had been frustrated in her rivalry with the Iconics because even though she had faced each one of them in singles competition, each time the other one would be ringside, cause a distraction, leading uh, to a loss for Naomi. Would it be two weeks ago when Peyton Royce defeated Naomi or last week when Billy Kay got the victory? So Naomi was wanting to even the odds and try to finally get back on the winning ways against one of them. This week going up against Peyton Royce once again. But after weeks of frustration, after weeks of the numbers game coming back to bite her, Naomi was finally able to counteract that and pick up a quick victory over uh, Peyton Royce after knocking uh, Billy Kay off the apron. Now, the story of this segment was not exactly the match. It was what happened after the match that we're talking about today. After the match, after Royce is shocked, she loses to Naomi, Billy Kay comes back in the ring and attacks Naomi from behind, leading to a double team uh, by the Iconics. And you're wondering, oh, someone's got to come out here. Someone's got to finally step up, defend uh, Naomi, and figuring it's not going to be either Charlotte or Becky because they're with a rivalry of their own. They continue to play up the idea that Naomi's without her friends due to the fact that they hate each other right now. Well, looks like she's found a new friend because 
just when you think all hope is lost for her, we see the return of the Empress of Tomorrow, former NXT Women's Champion Asuka, who rushed down to the ring and cleared out the Iconics before checking on Naomi. Now, it feels like Asuka's been on a slippery slope downwards since WrestleMania time, since losing uh, to Charlotte, and then back-to-back pay-per-view losses to Carmella for the SmackDown Women's Championship. But positive here is that she's finally back on TV after being off television uh, for a month now, as well as... she now has a chance at some revenge here because the Iconics have been reminding people for a while that they caused the first defeat of Asuka on uh, SmackDown Live. So she has that um, way of getting vengeance. Plus, they've been double-teaming Naomi all this time uh, with the numbers advantage in uh, their side. Now Naomi has a teammate to help her out, back her up, and potentially shut the Iconics' mouths up for once here. So that is a positive, even if it feels like it's a step down uh, for Asuka. It's at least something to get excited about. And hey, at least we get to see all four of these women involved in the show, which really wasn't the case for most of the summer. Two of SmackDown's major rivalries were only briefly mentioned or focused on last night. Those being Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton, and then the the, uh, continued uh, build of hatred between Charlotte Flair and her former best friend, Becky Lynch. Now, with Hardy and Orton, they showed separate build-up packages for their Hell in a Cell match coming up in less than two weeks. When it focused on Jeff Hardy, he talked about all the risks he takes as an in-ring performer, how he he does it for the fans, he does it for his family, is willing to do these sacrifices to provide for his family, entertain the fans, and win matches. But at the same time, Randy Orton has dragged out a different side of himself that he's uh, never uh, had before. And how he's looking forward to being inside Hell in the Cell for the first time. Because even though there is no way out of the cell once that door is locked. He doesn't feel like he's truly locked in and will use the elements to his advantage. You could definitely see this match somehow, someway breaking out of the cell and Jeff Hardy jumping off of it. Because it would be kind of disappointing if he didn't. As long as he's healthy enough to do so. Now, Jeff Hardy's body has taken a brutal beating over the years. But if he's healthy enough, you got to expect he's going to to risk it all to try and take out the Viper, who, once again, in his promo package, talked about how he's done some sick and devious things to Jeff Hardy, trying to erase the enigma, but at the same time said that we haven't seen anything yet. And that Hell in the Cell will only further the destruction of Jeff Hardy. Now, Orton's done some twisted things 
so far to Jeff. But just think about it. They're going to be locked inside that cell. Orton's been inside Hell in a Cell four times. Twice against Cena. Once against Mark Henry. Once against Sheamus. He's only lost one of those. He They call him the Viper for a reason. And with how devious he's been the last couple months. With how despicable some of his actions has been. You can only imagine what he's going to try and do to Jeff Hardy at Hell in a Cell. As far as Charlotte and Becky Lynch are concerned, they had the two of them at separate locations for a sit-down interview held by the commentary team. And Charlotte mentioned to Becky how, in her mind, Becky was acting as if Charlotte owed it to her to lose the match intentionally and allow Becky to win at SummerSlam. How she never viewed um, Becky as second place to her as a friend or in the, the ring. But now she'll show her how much better she is than her at Hell in a Cell. Well, Becky, once again, shows a little bit of her disgruntled side as well as the fact that she, she just doesn't give a damn about Charlotte Flair anymore. She, they're their friendship is now in the past and all she cares about is being women's champion. Now, the problem here with these promos, with every interaction that they've had since SummerSlam, they keep trying to play off Charlotte Flair as the victim in all of this. And the problem is she is not a believable victim and none of the fan base, including myself, are on her side. The major reason is her last name, Flair. And on top of that, this is her what seventh reign as a women's champion, if you include her run in NXT. So no one wants to hear about it. No, no one uh, w- wants to sit here and pretend that Charlotte is some victim. I've mentioned it many times before. I'll say it again. Everyone wanted Becky to get her opportunity at SummerSlam. We feel like she got robbed. And now that she's so, showing this more badass side to her, this more aggressive side to her, the fans are going to keep cheering her on and keep booing Charlotte Flair. It almost feels like what they're doing over on Monday Night Raw when it comes to Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. They want us to cheer for Roman Reigns, but the WWE Universe keeps cheering for Braun Strowman, keeps chanting, get these hands. And that same thing is happening here when it comes to Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. No one feels any sympathy for the champion. For weeks, Samoa Joe has gotten under the skin of WWE Champion AJ Styles by continuing to make threats toward Styles' family. And it continued last night. Because after last week where Samoa Joe called AJ's wife from the parking lot and then to be nowhere to be found when AJ attempted to confront him, Joe addressed... uh, the situation in the ring this week, once again, the taunting AJ's family, as well as uh, making uh, guarantees and promises to uh, both AJ's wife and children. 
of saying that I've delivered your absentee husband back home on a uh, coveted Tuesday night. I've kept my promise to you, Wendy, as well as telling his kids that daddy is going to be back home on a more permanent basis after Hell in the Cell, thinking all this time that AJ Styles wasn't at SmackDown this week until once again his words struck a chord with the, the champion and AJ was shown on the Titantron backstage before coming out to his entrance music, charging the ring and from there chaos broke loose between him and uh, Samoa Joe. Just a back and forth fight with true raw emotion being shown between uh, these two. It, it looked like Joe was going to get the best of AJ. The fact that he had the height advantage, size advantage, and the fact that he uh, had early advantage over AJ when AJ slid into uh, the ring and uh, took him outside the ring and threw him into the uh, steel steps. But eventually, AJ regained uh, control over his uh, number one contender, even went as far as um, trying to slam a steel chair uh, up against Joe's head when he was leaning against the, uh, the turnbuckles outside uh, the ring. And no matter how many referees seemed to come out, AJ was just possessed. He's had enough of Joe's um, taunting, his um, mocking style of Styles family, and wanted to shut his mouth once and for all. But unfortunately, he's probably going to have to wait until Hell in the Cell because eventually enough referees came out there to urge the champion back. Page came out uh, to. Uh, prevent AJ from uh, trying to get at Samoa Joe and Joe seemed almost taken aback by AJ's attack on him after weeks of all this taunting uh, of weeks of you know, continuously bringing up Styles family whether it was leading up to SummerSlam during their match at SummerSlam that got AJ disqualified eventually or uh, last week um and this week, once again, referencing uh, the family barbecue, AJ just had enough. And this was by far the best segment of the night. It, it was quick and to the point, uh, continued to build up their match at Hell in a Cell, a match that I'm surprised it doesn't have some kind of stipulation to it yet. After AJ got himself disqualified last week and with the just pure hatred that's built up between these two over the last month. You you figure that they would put some kind of stipulation, even if they're not put it inside Hell in a Cell, make it no disqualification, make it you no know, street fight, uh, falls count anywhere, something along those lines. Because these two, especially if Joe continues to try and manipulate the champ, aren't going to be able to hold back their emotions when it comes to their title match at Hell in a Cell. This is going to be a war coming up in just less than two weeks. So far, we know that the New Day will defend 
their recently won SmackDown Tag Team Championships at Hell in the Cell. We just don't know who their challengers are going to be yet. About 10 days ago, Paige set up two triple threat tag team matches to determine the next number one contenders where the winners of those tag team matches will face each other on the SmackDown Live before Hell in a Cell. Last week, The Bar defeated the Colognes and the Good Brothers, Gallows and Anderson, to advance to next week's uh, number one contender match. This week, there would be a second triple threat tag team match to determine who they would be facing. And it featured the Usos, Sanity, and uh, Rusev Day. Uh, representing Sanity in uh, this matchup was Eric Young and Killian Dane. And of course, Rusev Day is made up of Rusev and his, uh, I guess you want to call him his songwriter, his um, introducer, his teammate, his buddy, whatever you want to call him, Aiden English. It would have been very easy for the SmackDown Live writing team to just say, all right, let's have the Usos win this match because you're going up against two teams in Sanity who continue to look like a team that's just kind of around. They haven't done anything major outside of their... uh, tables match victory against the New Day at the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. And then Rusev and Aiden English, they've only just recently gotten back on the same page after months of English accidentally costing Rusev matches. So it would have been very easy to have the Usos win this match, go up against the bar next week. But they went a different route in that. Now this triple threat tag match had it all. Each team had their opportunity to control the pace of the match, um, to show their strong uh, suits, whether it be the high-flying quick action of the Usos, the unpredictability of Sanity, the just raw brute strength of Rusev, even even Aiden English came away from this match looking good. I thought it was one of his best showings uh, to date on SmackDown Live, or at least in uh, recent memory. And in recent months, he's been doing several things where he almost got in Rusev's way, uh, uh, caused a distraction, accidentally cost some matches. But so far um, in the last couple weeks, he's... uh, been his go-to guy has been there when Rusev needed him the most just when it looked like at times either the Uso brothers or Sanity were going to pick up the uh, victory over Rusev. Aiden English was uh, there to uh, break up uh, pinning attempts whether it be cheating uh, by Eric Young trying to put his uh, feet on the ropes whether it be one of the Usos trying to uh, win after hitting a, a super kick. Aiden was there to protect him in uh, every spot. Now, there were a couple times he had, he had to take a, a shot for Rusev, whether it be a dive over the ropes by one of uh, the Usos or getting a run over by uh, Killian Dane. But that, that just uh, left things open for Rusev to blast uh Eric Young with the Machka kick and get their team the victory. As I said, 
Great job by the writing team. Very Would have been very predictable for the Usos to get the victory here, but I'm glad they went the uh, different route. I thought for sure that they were going to give the Usos the victory and have them go up against uh, the bar. But hey, the, the team of Aiden English and, and Rusev, they're popular. Uh, the the uh, Bulgarian Brute has uh, been tearing it up recently. Uh, was able to get revenge in his rivalry, his short-lived rivalry with Andrade Cien Almas. Um, almost became WWE Champion back at Extreme Rules. So now that they go up against the bar and... Why not? Maybe they do get past the bar and face the New Day for uh, the tag team uh, championships. It, it would be their first tag title uh, shot together and be better than anything that they've had going for them as a team in the last year outside of Rusev's title shot. Plus, we know at some point the bar is going to face New Day. Try and put that off as long as possible have them go through every team possible because you new day and the bar were rivals when uh, the bar first came to smackdown a couple of months ago so you always have that rivalry to fall back on have them face different unpredicted uh challengers first before you have them go up against uh, the predictable eventual number one contenders I could not believe the main event that they put together for SmackDown Live last night. I felt like I was in a time machine and we went back to 2011 because it was The Miz going up against his former tag team partner, R-Truth. What led to this is, remember earlier in the night, Miz and Maurice uh, avoided confrontation with Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella before going into the general manager's office to talk to uh, Paige. And Paige informed him that he would be in a match last night with anybody that felt like beating him up. As the show went on, you saw R-Truth backstage, and he's been looking for Carmella as of late, because he keeps thinking that, oh, if he defeats Carmella in a match, it will lead to him becoming a number one contender for a championship. Oh, our truth So confused, but that's that's why we love him. And finally, doing something at least somewhat relevant on SmackDown Live. At least he's getting used on TV, unlike his time on Monday Night Raw. He got confused at first, thought he ran into Carmella when it was really Maurice. And then that led to a quick exchange between uh, Miz and uh, R-Truth, leading to Maurice also referring to Carmella as Staten Island Trash, which when R-Truth went to Carmella and told her about that, that got her furious, got her up in uh, rage. And uh, R-Truth was alongside his buddy uh, Ty Dillinger during all of this. Ty's asking him, what are you trying to prove here? And Truth gave him one of the uh, funniest answers he's ever said, saying that I'm just trying to teach you how to get into the main event of SmackDown Live. Oh, just priceless. That led to something very unexpected that 
Miz and Maurice are out there waiting for R-Truth to come out for the match. And R-Truth makes his entrance, but has Carmella alongside him. And this is a little bit of a foreshadowing here because as was announced last night on SmackDown Live, in two weeks will be the return of the Mix Match Challenge. This time it will feature 10 teams, five from Raw, five from SmackDown Live, and R-Truth and Carmella are going to be pairing together as a tandem for the Mixed Match Challenge, which will culminate at the Tables, Lives, and Chairs pay-per-view in December. We'll get to more of that as that tournament goes on here, but just interesting to see Carmella taking Truth's side here and um, being willing to be in his corner for this main event matchup here, a match that if you would have told anybody that a month ago that, hey, this is going to be the main event of SmackDown Live uh, at some point, they would have laughed right in your face. But it was a a good way to uh, get truth on TV and promote the upcoming Mixed Match Challenge, as well as finally have The Miz in a match for the first time in a couple weeks and of course throughout the match he continued to mock Daniel Bryan by uh, using his uh, trademark yes kicks which he calls the it kicks and deliver the corner drop kick he's done that a lot since Daniel Bryan's initial retirement back in 2016 stealing a lot of his old uh, his arsenal and this uh, impressions of uh, Daniel Bryan bit only ran so long before Daniel Bryan and um, Brie Bella appeared on the entrance ramp to distract the Miz and allow R-Truth to uh, pick up the victory over the Miz, get the upset there, Uh, only to further infuriate the Miz and lead to finally a physical confrontation between uh, the two couples and just when it just when it looked like they were going to get the advantage, Daniel Bryan's going locking in the guest lock on the Miz. Brie Bella's forcing Maurice to uh, watch this, and she's about to unload with her uh, Brie mode double knees. Zelina Vega and Andrade Almas decide to get involved here, and thinking, "Oh, this is going to be another four-on-two beatdown like last week." Difference here this time is. Almas and Vega did not have Miz and Maurice to back them up th- this week. And uh, this time, Daniel and Bree were able to get the advantage over them, uh, both locking both of them into the yes lock as Miz and Maurice were forced to watch that from uh, the uh, top of the rampway. And uh, they held those submission locks in for good minute, minute and a half, truly sending a statement to the It couple as they watched on from uh, the stage here. Now, some will be uh, disappointed here, thinking that they sacrificed uh, the uh, build of Almas and Vega, but I feel that this was a positive. You're having them involved in a main event feud while they may be no, a side storyline here. Maybe it eventually builds to a future um, mixed tag team matchup between Vega and Almas against uh, um, Daniel and Bray. 
who knows? No, they're going to have uh, time to do that after Hell in a Cell and maybe Almas and Vega look for revenge. Or hell, they could even do that tag team matchup as a build-up next week toward Hell in a Cell. That probably would have been better than having the second week in a row of Daniel versus Almas on SmackDown last night. Because it was predictable that Daniel Bryan was going to win that match. But they did a lot of good things building up this rivalry of the two uh, married couples leading into their uh, mixed tag team matchup coming up at Hell in a Cell. Hopefully most of the action will revolve around um, Daniel Bryan and The Miz because that's how this all truly got started. As we talked about yesterday with the recap to Raw, uh, Bray looks like she still has some ring rust on her. There was some sloppy moments that, although they were caused by Sarah Logan, she still has some ring rust to um, get off her uh, uh, prior to their match at uh, Hell in the Cell. And plus, I'd like to see them further build to, you know, vendetta between uh, uh Bray and Maurice and possibly have them face off at Evolution at the end of October. Have a singles match between the two of them because we know there's personal history there. But as far as things go between Daniel, Bryan, and The Miz continues to be the best rivalry on SmackDown. And you just look forward to seeing what the next chapter is going to be next week as we get closer and closer to their tag match at Hall in the Cell. For this Wednesday, September 5th, 2018, I'm M3, and that was my opinion. Everyone, enjoy your night. Remember, follow me on Twitter at m 3 Rosansky, and I'll talk to you guys again very soon. Peace.